Happy New Year and happy 2021 to all of you here. Thank you very much for pressing play and joining us here for kicking out a two this week as we're going to be giving you our New Year's resolutions in the world of professional wrestling for the year 2021. Um, you know, 2020 was a strange year in the world. Uh, and of course, you know, wrestling was affected by that just about with just about any walk of life, any any avenue of entertainment, just about everything on this planet was affected because of COVID. Um, you know, television, entertainment, sports, business, your, your, your daily, you know, day-to-day life, everyone's job was affected by COVID one way or another. Every single facet of life was affected because of this pandemic. And, uh, you know, we're not out of the woods just yet, but uh, I think we're getting there well on our way. And by the end of 2021, I think COVID will be a thing of the past. Um, it will be something that will be just a bad memory. Um, and 2020 was essentially a bad memory for a number of people on a number of different fronts. Um, but 2020 also forced wrestling to um, evolve in ways that I don't think anybody thought would evolve. Um, you know, we saw a lot of cinematic matches in wrestling because of the, the fact that there were no fans in attendance. Um you know, wrestling had to kind of change things up a little bit. They kind of had to throw things at the wall and see what would stick. Um, you know, technically as a fan, I really don't count 2020 as a, as a year in wrestling. Uh, a lot of experiments, a lot of good, and, you know, a lot of bad too as well on all fronts. Not just WWE, but AEW as well. Um, so, you know, I'm going to get into my New Year's resolutions when it comes to, uh, you know, the year 2021 in professional wrestling. And if you guys have any New Year's resolutions, what do you want to see? What do you hope for in, 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 in all of professional wrestling? Then go on our Facebook page and our Twitter. Hit us up. Tell us what you think. Facebook.com forward slash kicking out of two as well as our, our Twitter handle at kicking out two. What's your New Year's resolution for professional wrestling? Do you have a personal one of your own? Do you have one that you'd like to see, you know, in, in, in a certain wrestling company or for certain individuals itself? Say the word. Drop it on our social media, and uh, you know we'll we'll, uh, we'll we'll see if that comes to fruition. Um, so let, let's get started, if you will, when it comes to our New Year's resolutions in the world of professional wrestling. Mine, in particular, um, I got quite a few, and I'm gonna get you know go in depth as to what I mean by some of these New Year's resolutions. But um, you know, for starters, um, I'm gonna uh, I'm I'm gonna uh, go to. The, you know, for what I'd like to see in 2021, the continued progression of the Roman Reigns heel persona. Okay, I think that's been one of the brighter spots of 2020, and I felt like when the pandemic took place and everything was shutting down and wrestling had to change, you know, for the most part, and I'll get into it later, but you know. Not having fans in attendance really hurt the presentation of the product. And so it forced, you know, WWE and AEW to an extent um, to think outside the box and be a little bit more creative and try new things. And WWE finally tried the experiment of turning Roman Reigns heel, something that's been, you know, talked about for a long period of time. Roman Reigns. I've always been a Roman Reigns guy, whether he was a babyface or a heel. I felt like he had the potential to be the top guy. I felt like he got a, under, a lot of undeserved flack from the wrestling business and from the from the wrestling industry and fans more more in particular um, because of the spot he was put in, because of the way his character was portrayed. He was just going out there and doing a job and doing the best of it, you know, to the best of his ability, what he was asked to do. And I thought he got a, a lot of undeserved hate for a number of years. I mean, you know, he was put in that John Cena spot, okay, and. 
WWE tried multiple different ways to get the audience to accept him. Um, they even got Vince involved at one point, I remember a few years ago. And, you know, for maybe a brief moment, the audience accepted him. But for the most part, um, the the overly personal, squeaky clean Roman Reigns just wasn't cutting it. Um, it even, you know, the audience even accepted, for a brief period of time, the audience even accepted him when he announced that he was fighting leukemia and was battling cancer and when he came back the crowd was really into him and i was like okay they're really turning the corner now you know what i mean like they, they and it kind of went back to the same thing the audience didn't really have um you know a, a, a ton of respect for him um some did most did but then there's that you know small overwhelming um chatter in the corner of the smart mark wrestling fans that didn't care you know about the human being itself um, my wife used to say all the time she's like i feel so bad for him everybody hates him she was like they're so mean and i'm like it's you know of course i'm telling my wife it's wrestling um you're supposed to get a reaction Oh, it's just the way that he's being portrayed and i think too it was also bad timing was when they you know tried to push him i mean daniel bryan really didn't have a run and i've said this before and i'll say it again um i think the moment that i knew that this was going to go bad was when in 2014 he you know they they they, they gave him the slammy award for superstar of the year and to me i was like and he was gone for a decent amount of time in 2014 because of an injury so I was like, they gave him Superstar of the Year. I'm like, you couldn't give it to Daniel Bryan, who had a bigger year than him? You couldn't give it to Brock, who ended the streak? I was just, like, baffled by it. And when you heard the audience kind of get a mixed, give a mixed reaction to that, I was like, this isn't going to be good. And, you know, lo and behold, you know, he came back and it didn't really work out. He won the Royal Rumble in Philadelphia. The crowd practically lynched him there. They put him in the main event WrestleMania with Brock. The crowd was going to kill him there too. Um, although I felt like throughout the course of that match with Brock, um, there were flashes of respect that the audience was giving him as time went on, as that beating occurred that Brock was giving him. The audience was starting to respect him a little more. Um, and then Seth Rollins cashed in and saved the day for all the internet wrestling marks out there that didn't want to see Roman Reigns leave with the title. Um, I just felt like he, from the start he got a bad, you know, uh, it was just, he was put in a bad spot. So, um, Royal uh, WrestleMania last year comes around, and Roman Reigns didn't really have a direction. It was rumored he was going to face Bray, and then it was rumored he was going to face John Cena, and then finally they put him in there with Goldberg. And the audience was already all over Goldberg because Goldberg beat the fiend Bray Wyatt in Saudi Arabia for the Universal title. And so I was starting to feel like at that moment, like, they were going to kind of turn Goldberg heel or kind of have like a little bit of an edge to him where he's like resentful towards the fans, which would make Roman the de facto babyface. And I remember at one point they had a face off on TV and the crowd was chanting Roman. And I was like, okay, good. They're going to get behind him. Um, but then once he beats Goldberg, they're going to, you know, they're going to, they're, they're going to, you know, resent him. So the pandemic took place. COVID was, COVID was popping hot everywhere. And because of Roman Reigns's uh, compromised immune system with you know battling cancer and he his wife had just had babies a couple of twins he stepped out of wrestlemania and he was off tv for a while um and periodically you would see something from him on social media talking about how he's you know trying to you know get back and um trying to come up with a way to get back into wwe storylines and out of nowhere 
he showed up and at SummerSlam in the middle of the match with The Fiend and Braun Strowman and beat the shit out of them with a chair. And you kind of saw an edge to him there. And then a week later, it was announced that he was paired up with Paul Heyman. And essentially, that was the heel turn. Brock was no longer with WWE because his contract expired after WrestleMania. And... Heyman didn't really have a whole lot to do. He was he was writing behind the scenes, and he was you know, um, you know, kind of the executive director of Monday Night Raw. But then that changed when he got let go in that position. So he was still an on screen talent. They, I'm sure, they're paying Heyman a, a boatload of money to to do nothing. So they figure, let's get the most out of him, and then let's pair him up with Roman. And I think a lot of that had to do with the pandemic, and this progression of his persona has just continued and has gone in such a good flow that I feel like this is the Roman Reigns we've needed to see for a long time. Just this badass that doesn't take no shit, that just beats people up and has no mercy. I mean, this is what we've needed to see from him for a while. You know, it started out, he wins the universal title, he's the head of the table, he's the tribal chief, SmackDown is the land of relevant, the island of relevancy. You know, anyone that you have put in front of him, he has in a sense, his new persona has really helped them. Like his cousin Jey Uso, who was out of action for a long time, um, you know, because his brother Jimmy Uso was out. They're a team. And they put Jay in the mix, and this storyline of Jay trying to prove that he was the better Uso, he was the better family member, they're cousins, um, which eventually led to him being Roman's kind of sidekick, if you will, and, and doing Roman's bidding over time and understanding that Roman's the one that puts the food on the table, that, that he's the head of the family. And just the, the, the storytelling and all of that was just top notch. Like it was some of the best stuff. And imagine if there was an audience in person to witness all this, man, he would get such a ton of heat. Like it, it would, I mean, he'd get so much heat that then eventually the people would cheer him. And that's how fickle the wrestling fans are, especially these days, is that they would just cheer him and they would, they would, they, they would turn him into a baby face. You know, and then the stuff he did with Kevin Owens, the match he had with Drew McIntyre at Survivor Series. It looks like he's on a collision course with Goldberg, possibly at WrestleMania, um, if not sooner. So, it, the Roman Reigns character has just continued to progress and continued to progress. And I know the rumor's been that they wanted to do him and Rock at WrestleMania. Um, there's a chance that might not happen because if... You know, Los Angeles is in the midst of a shutdown. There's going to be no audience. Mania looks like it's probably going to be in Tampa at Raymond James Stadium with a limited capacity because of the, the, the state guidelines in Florida and the CDC. They're only allowed, I think, like 25% capacity. So I think that would be roughly about like 16,000 people socially distanced. So, um, and I'm, I'm guessing that all depends, too, on how many people get the vaccine as well. Um, but that's what it looks like it's going to be. Um, now, there's a chance that they could go with Rock and Roman Reigns, and, you know, Rock will just wrestle in front of 25% of the, of the stadium capacity, but um, I think that they're leaning more towards Goldberg, and I think they want to maximize Roman and Rock for something bigger when we can have fans at full capacity, maybe the following, you know, maybe next year, if WrestleMania is going to go to Los Angeles at the new stadium, at SoFi Stadium, then maybe... Um, Maybe we'll see Rock and Roman headline, you know, with 100,000 people. I'm guessing they want to save that match. But um, Roman and Goldberg looks to be the, the matchup. And they have established history with um, the buildup early on last year before Roman bowed out. Um, Goldberg's appeared on WWE social media programming and has talked about how he wants Roman in the title. 
Uh, by the time of this recording, if it hasn't already happened, um, some kind of challenge being made, I expect it to happen in the very near future. But just the continued progression of his character and the heel persona, I, I, I'm just hoping that we keep seeing that with him, and I hope it helps develop other people. It's done wonders for Jey Uso. Uh, Kevin Owens kind of sparked some new interest in him. I'm not the biggest Kevin Owens guy, but it sparked some new interest in him, and hopefully... Um, it adds more to you know um, building up other guys, maybe even Big E down the line, who's in a singles role now and away from New Day. But that's one of my New Year's resolutions, the continued progression of the, the Roman Reigns heel persona. Um, another um, New Year's resolution of mine that I would like to delve into is um, long-term storyline development. I'd like to see more of that in WWE and in wrestling in general. We seem to be getting a lot of hot shouting of angles. And I know with the pandemic, you kind of had to do that because they were just trying, they were experimenting with things. And if things didn't work, they would go with something else. So, but as things get better in our world and we're allowed more people to attend these events over time, um, I would hope we would see some some storyline development and not rush to judgment to try and fix something or change something. Just kind of let some things breathe. We have a tendency to, as fans, to want things yesterday. And I think when it comes to wrestling organizations, they're quick to understand that, but they're also quick to pull the trigger, you know, especially WWE. The narrative has always been um, if something's not working out, that's not Vince's idea, he's ready to pull the plug. You know, um, He pulled the plug on the Paul Heyman-Eric Bischoff experiment, respectively, and put Bruce Prichard in those, you know, those executive director-type roles um, because Bruce was one of his guys. Necessarily not the, the, the most popular decision amongst the wrestling fan base because I felt like when Heyman was in charge of Raw, we saw some new fresh stuff, some development with some guys, and now we're just kind of seeing guys fall to the wayside. Like Aleister Black, um, you know, was a, was a pet project of Paul Heyman, and he's done nothing for quite some time. Ricochet, the same thing. Um, you know, this retribution angle that, that, that debuted last year on WWE programming, not the best. Um, I felt like it was too forced. Uh, didn't really organically develop. I don't think there was a lot of thought put into it, me personally. And the same could be said for AEW, okay? And I'll get into them shortly because I got a few New Year's resolutions regarding AEW. But when it comes to them, they have a tendency to... I mean, they're, they're all over the place. And I guess I'll transition into in my New Year's resolution for them shortly. But... Um, you know, when it when it came time, you know, when John Moxley was declared the champion, when they gave the belt to Moxley by defeating Jericho last year at the Revolution pay-per-view or wherever it was, um, I know that the pandemic kind of put a, a, a wrinkle in some stuff, but they went from, you know, challenger after challenger after challenger after challenger for like, you know, a month. It was like Moxley wrestled uh, fucking, what's his name? Um, uh, Brody Lee. Then he wrestled Brian Cage. Then he wrestled MJF. Then he wrestled Eddie Kingston. And it was just like, you know, there were, the, I think the best rivalry out of all of that was him and Kingston because there was a little more personal animosity between the two of them because their history behind the scenes and coming up in the wrestling business together and i thought that there were some legs to that that they could have extended it further but they just kept putting him lance archer too one two three four just boom 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 they just like threw guys in front of him and i felt like there could have been more to each of those stories you know what i mean 
And they tried to make each match like a very personal rivalry, and they just didn't really stick very well. They, they, they threw the match out there, boom, okay, move on to the next one. Boom, move on to the next one. Boom, move on to the next one. And I thought that there could have been some, some long-term development with him as the champion in you know a long-term rivalry with a guy. Um, I, I Maybe their rationale was, Let's build a resume with him as champion. Let's have him go through a bunch of guys so that when he loses the title to whoever we decide to put it on, it'll have some meaning because of all these guys that he's beaten. I don't know. But I thought that there was some legs when it came to each and every story regarding Moxley and the championship. Um, why don't I get into my next New Year's resolution? So basically, you know, long-term story development, no hot-shotting angles, kind of letting some things breathe. Um... I get it. We were in a pandemic and you were trying to get eyeballs on the TV screen because wrestling ratings were dropping, um, you know, tremendously across the board. Um, so I get it, but I'd like to see a little more development in terms of long-term storytelling. Now let's talk about the, let's talk about my next new year's resolution and it's for AEW itself. Um, there's a lot of different things I would like to see change in regards to AEW. Um, Yes, they are a different presentation than WWE, and I guess you could say that they are a breath of fresh air to the wrestling scene, and they offer guys opportunities that didn't necessarily get opportunities elsewhere, as well as trying to create some new stars. Um, I feel like they're trying to serve a lot of masters in a short period of time, and they're 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 overwhelmed. They're coming up short. Um, for instance, I would just, I would just like more of a direction. For them, because I don't feel like there is a general direction for them as a company on television. You know, there's a lot going on on their TV show. Too much almost. You know, I feel like they've signed way too many talents. You know, you have that AEW dark show that's on YouTube that's like two and a half hours long and it's like 17 matches of a bunch of guys I've never even heard of before. And then you have Dynamite, which is the main show. Um, now, if they're trying to build their own developmental brand and they're trying to, you know, like cultivate talent in that sense, then I get it. But they're just throwing guys out there and seeing what sticks, you know? And I think that's bad in some instances, you know? Because I think, you know, wrestling fans want some sort of established talent and credibility, but they also want to see something fresh and new too. And I think there's a certain, I think there's a certain element of being able to do both. I think you could do both of that um, at the same time. But I feel like they don't necessarily, the, the, the wires are crossed when it comes to that. Um, I've said this for a long time. I think I th I was a big proponent of when AEW said, oh, we're going to do a ranking system and we're going to make wins and losses matter. And in the beginning, they kind of stuck with it. But I think maybe the pandemic had something to do with it and they just kind of lost track of it. But, you know, there's been ranking systems with tag teams and singles and women's. And, you know, they introduced so many new talents that, you know, some of them are, are already in the top five rankings for a title shot. Um, it's crazy. And then some that have been there for a while, based on their records, they're not even in the ranking system. It's like the whole thing is totally fucked up, you know. Like I'll give you a perfect example. A while back on Dynamite, they had announced that Dustin Rhodes and QT Marshall from the Nightmare Family were going to get a title shot at the World Tag Team Champions. And... I believe they, it was, was it Omega? And, I think Omega and Hangman were the champs at the time. And I remember watching it and then saying to myself, 
They're not even in the top five rankings. So how the fuck do they get a title shot? They've never even teamed on TV before. And who the fuck is QT Marshall? You know, I know who Dustin is, but who the fuck is this QT Marshall? Like, no, I didn't have any idea who he was, you know? And so, it was just, I don't know. I, I just, I scratched my head at that. And, and then there's guys that get into the rankings that haven't been on TV or wrestled in a while. And then there's some teams that, you know, um, or some individuals that have a, a, a great record that should be in the top five of the rankings, but they're not. I think they just either need to scrap the rankings altogether or you fucking do it and you keep up with it and you have a set plan. Because I don't think that they've had one really, to be quite honest with you. You know what I mean? They've done number one contenders matches for title shots. But why are you doing a number one contenders match when the number one ranked team hasn't gotten a title shot yet? Or they do a number one contenders match with the top five ranked teams and the winner of, of whatever kind of match it is gets a title shot. Well, shouldn't it go by the order of, of the team that's ranked? You know what I mean? Same thing with the singles guys, you know? So I just think that there needs to be a little bit more of a direction. I also think, too, there's way too many alliances, way too many factions on TV. I mean, you have the inner circle with Jericho and um, Santana and Ortiz and uh, Sammy Guevara and a fucking... Jake Hager and Wardlow and MJF. You have Jurassic Express. You have SCU. You have the Death Triangle. You have Eddie Kingston and the family. You have the Nightmare family. You have, um, fuck, I don't know. Like, there's so many. I can't keep track. T Team Taz, you know, for instance. There's so many of these groups you can't keep track who's fighting who and when and why and how. And then they'll start something and then they'll have a match and then it's over with and then they move on to something else. It's just so quick. It's like there just needs to be a direction. You know what I mean? And I would like to see some character development, see who these guys are, get some personality profiles. Every once in a while, AEW will do that and they'll introduce you to someone via a video package just to kind of get you familiar with them. And then there's times where they just throw somebody out on TV, Excalibur, reads off some stats he read off the Wrestling Observer newsletter, and everyone's expected to fucking relate to these guys. You know what I mean? So I, I want AEW to succeed. I want them to be AEW. And not try to be WWE. And I think they've done a pretty good job of not trying to be like WWE. Even though they take little cheap shots at WWE every once in a while. But I think there needs to be a little bit more of a direction. I really do. Give me give me some direction. You know, who, who are your flagships? Who are your top guys? Who, you know... There's just way too much going on. It's hard to keep up. It really is. And it's one of those things where... I tune in and I watch a few guys and I'll fast forward through a bunch of stuff. And that's the same for Raw and SmackDown and NXT and all the other shows. I'm not just, you know, watching WWE altogether, but, you know, I'll fast forward through some stuff that I like or don't like or what have you um, on, on, on every wrestling program that I watch. But when it comes to AEW, give me some direction. Give me something that, you know, to sink my teeth into. There's way too many cooks in the kitchen, way too many people running the ship. And, um,. I think I think you can see that based on some of the, um, the 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 storytelling we're getting. And while I talk about AEW, let me get into my next New Year's resolution, and that's more collaboration between some of these other companies. We've seen towards the tail end of 2020 that AEW uh, and Impact Wrestling were having a partnership. Uh, Omega's been on their program. Don Callis, who's an executive vice president of the company, is a top executive. He's part of AEW, is like Omega's manager. Um, we're going to get uh, 
a pay-per-view match with Omega and the Good Brothers, Gallows and Anderson, against Rich Swan and the Motor City Machine Guns coming up on Impact Wrestling on, a, on one of their pay-per-views. I think it's Hard to Kill or something. I think that's coming up shortly and in in, within this month. And so... I want to see more of these collaborations because I think when all these companies work together, it makes for some interesting matches. And it also, I think, will give WWE a run for its money because let's face it, WWE is the Walt Disney World of professional wrestling, sports entertainment, whatever you want to call it, okay? They are the top of the heap. Everybody wants to go there that they know they're going to make the most money. But with the advent of AEW and working with some of these other organizations, it's, it's given guys an opportunity to make decent to really good money elsewhere and I want to see these collaborations continue you know there's plenty of dream matches out there from these other companies that can be put together if just people put their egos aside you know I know that there was a, a, a bad falling out with some of the guys from the elite like Cody and the Bucks and, and, and Omega when they didn't re-sign with Ring of Honor and New Japan and New Japan has kind of you know kept their distance from these guys but impact wrestling has also been trying to get new japan to come into the fold and work with some of these talents as well now i know the pandemic put a halt on some of that stuff but i would like to see you know the okada and omega match you know on american tv at some point bring okada into AEW. um you know, I'd like to see more collaborations. You know, Ring of Honor has been a, a sinking ship for a long period of time, and they used to be a hub for, you know, you know, map-based pro wrestling. And I know that they're going through some some turbulent times, changing of the guard, if you will, in their company. Um, so hopefully, you know, whatever changes they make, it's going to include some kind of collaboration. MLW has been on the rise for the last few years. I've caught a little bit of their programming, but I think a collaboration with them and maybe a New Japan or, or whoever, they've been open to collaborating with other organizations too as well. So, um, you know, I'd love to see that. And then, you know, we've seen even bits of the NWA inserted into AWA, A, AWA, AEW programming um, because the NWA um, unfortunately couldn't run shows in the studio, the, 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 uh, the, uh, the, the power shows that they used to have, NWA Power, um, because of the pandemic. They had to fold up shop too. And they've lost a fair number of talents as well. But seeing that NWA um, brand rooted into the AEW programming has been a nice breath of fresh air, you know. Uh, would be kind of cool if we saw Nick Aldis and the NWA Championship appear on one of those shows, maybe even Nick Aldis appearing in Impact. Um, but I definitely want to see more collaborations. I think it's good for the business. I think it's, at the end of the day, the real winners are us, the fans, okay? And as long as guys can put egos aside and everyone knows they're going to make money and it's not about who fucking jobs to who, then I think we can get really good programming. You know, we've talked about it before, um, Kobe and I on uh, catching up, and um, I was on a I was on a episode of um, of uh, Cool Truth with uh, with AC when we talked about collaborations in, in wrestling. Um, you know, FTR, you know, in AEW, they've been wanting to make their mark in tag team wrestling, not just in AEW but everywhere. They want to wrestle guys in Impact Wrestling. They you know like Motor City Machine Guns. They want to go to Japan. You know they want to go to Ring of Honor. They've they've openly admitted that they want to make their mark and be the greatest tag team of all time and wrestle everywhere. And so I think that's nothing but good news for us wrestling fans. So another another New Year's resolution of mine in 2021 is to see more effort in collaborations. And hell even WWE too. I mean, not saying that they would do it, even though Triple H has openly said that we're open to, you know, collaborating with other companies. Um, 
I wouldn't mind seeing them do it as well, you know? I'm not saying you're going to see WWE and AEW together by any means, but, you know, I, I would be open to the idea of WWE working with another organization, um, you know, and, and, and swapping talent, if you will. I, I think it would be good for the business at the end of the day. Um, let's, uh, let's go into um, my next... Uh, my next New Year's resolution for um, 2021. Uh, you know, we saw the final farewell of The Undertaker in 2020 at Survivor Series. Um, and what he has said and what many are saying is it was his last match at WrestleMania last year. The Boneyard match with AJ Styles, which, you know, was a, a good fitting way to go out. Me, selfishly, as a fan, I'd like a farewell match with him in front of a live audience at a WrestleMania. Um, you know, and, and particularly against the fiend past that torch of, 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 you know, him being this supernatural character for three decades and passing that torch to Bray Wyatt and that fiend character. Um, I think I, I, I mean, his, obviously his health is first and foremost important. This is just me selfishly being a fan. I could, I could live without him having a farewell match, but as a fan, I would like to have seen him go out with, you know, soaking up that adulation from the live audience, whether that's 16,000, 17,000 fans in Raymond James Stadium at WrestleMania, that's better than nothing and better than the Thunderdome where he got that experience at Survivor Series and they piped in the Thank You Undertaker chants and, you know, the, the, the everyone was logged in on their Zoom or whatever to watch Survivor Series and be there in the Thunderdome. Like, to me, like, I just felt like that was... I get it that they had to do something, but... I still feel like, you know, Undertaker, I would hope Undertaker could do one more and he'd want to do one more in front of a live audience. But if he doesn't, you know what? Hell, the man deserves to walk away on his own terms. It's just me selfishly being a fan. And I also think, too, the Fiend character has had its ups and downs, more ups than downs, in my opinion. Um, but it's a character that I feel like will last as long as it evolves over time and i think that could be like i'm not saying he'd be the next undertaker but he would be that supernatural character that would be i guess the placeholder or trying to live up to the under no one's gonna live up to undertaker okay but everyone has said and a lot of wrestling fans have said that bray wyatt has that potential to be that next supernatural figure that undertaker was but in his own way and I, and I would love to see Undertaker and Fiend one last time at WrestleMania where Undertaker passes the torch. Win, lose, or draw, he's done. And and he's, you know what I mean? You know, he. It, it, I can't complain with how he went out at WrestleMania last year with AJ Styles in that Boneyard match. I mean, that match saved that WrestleMania, in my opinion. You know, that, that cinematic match saved it. Um, because it was fucking brutal watching WrestleMania with no fans. It really was. It was it was hard, hard to watch, uh, both nights. And that cinematic match the first night. You know, I remember my wife stayed up to watch WrestleMania with me in the basement, and you know she was like she was on her phone most of the time, and she was like, I don't know how you're watching this. This is just not the same. And it was hard. And then the Boneyard match came on and she watched it with me. And when it was over, she was like, that was the best thing about WrestleMania. That was actually pretty good. And the buzz from that got more people to want to watch the second night of WrestleMania. And then we eventually saw that Firefly Funhouse match with Bray Wyatt and John Cena. So if that means that, you know, Undertaker comes back for this one match against The Fiend um, and they kind of... 
add an element of cinematic flair to the presentation where it's not all just in the ring in front of everyone, but it ends in the ring in front of everyone. I'd be cool with that too. Um, usually this time of year, it's always rumored, you know, oh, what's Undertaker going to do for WrestleMania? Oh, what's Undertaker going to do for WrestleMania? Oh, is he going to be involved in a match? Is he, you know, or, or he's done. Like, you hear so many different rumors. It's usually this time of year anyways where you hear it. So, um, it wouldn't surprise me if we hear rumors like that. Me, selfishly, like I said, I'd like to see it. But if it doesn't happen, it doesn't happen. But, you know, I'm keeping my fingers crossed. Um, while we're on the subject of legends, another New Year's resolution I have in mind. Let's quit booking legends going over young and established talent. Okay. Um, last year, I thought the Goldberg um, win over the Fiend was unnecessary. Um, they really wanted Goldberg to go into WrestleMania with the championship. And this was obviously before, you know, the pandemic um, forced WWE to, you know, uh, alter WrestleMania plans. But uh, I was not happy with that finish. I really felt like, you know, the Fiend going over Goldberg um, would really help catapult him to the match that was rumored between him and John Cena. Um, and I thought that it would be good for, I thought it would be good for that match to have the title involved. Fiend's the champion. He's looking to get his revenge on Cena. He'll put the title up on the line to get his revenge on Cena because, as we all know, the Fiend doesn't forget who hurt him in the past. And then Cena, on the other hand, he's going for his quest to break Ric Flair's record and get the 17th title reign. I thought like that would have been a real big money buildup for WrestleMania. But they didn't go with the title. They still went with the revenge factor that the Fiend wanted on Cena. But... They put the title on Goldberg and had him go with Reigns. Now, if Reigns were to have dethroned him and they would have went with Goldberg as kind of like a heel with a little bit of an edge, then I would have been okay with it. But I felt like the Fiend's momentum really, really, like, it just was stopped in its tracks um, after losing to Goldberg. However... If you go back and, you know, you, you really analyze and, and, and watch the, the television leading up to WrestleMania and then with the Firefly match, you almost forgot that he lost to Goldberg, especially after the Firefly match because of the presentation that it was. It was unlike anything anyone has ever seen, you know. There were friends of mine that watched it and were like, that wasn't even a real match. The bell never rang. I'm like... I'm like, dude, we're in the middle of a fucking pandemic. You gotta fucking break the rules in order to entertain people. The way that that whole thing was presented was just truly fascinating. And something that I don't think could ever be replicated ever again. But, I'm going off on a little bit of a tangent here. Um, Goldberg's rumored to be a part of WrestleMania plans, possibly Roman Reigns. It wouldn't surprise me if they put Goldberg in the Royal Rumble, had him win the whole damn thing so he can get the title shot with Roman Reigns, but I feel like they don't need to do that. I feel like they have enough history between the two of them based off of what took place last year with them possibly facing each other and then Reigns backing out for a match to take place. But it wouldn't shock me if they tried to go with the shock factor and have Goldberg be a surprise entry at number 30, win the whole damn thing, and then go on to face Roman Reigns for the title at WrestleMania. It wouldn't shock me in the least bit. But whatever you do, please, let's stop booking these legends to go over these young guys. You know, it's one thing if you pair them up with a young guy to establish them, but do they need to go over every single fucking time? You know, I'm going to take a page out of Dennis J. Levy's book here when it comes to this, you know, because Dennis is a big proponent of... You know, seeing the young guys develop. And, you know, I know my brother Justin will sometimes, you know, refute that argument and say, you know, oh, well, working with him is the rub in and of itself. You don't need to go over to get over. 
Um, and there might be some truth to both of those arguments, but I just feel like it doesn't do anything long term for guys to that come in and you know work a, a match or two to go over the way they did. You know what I mean? They're still living on the nostalgia factor that Goldberg is who he is. He's Spear G, Jack Hammer G, one, two, three matches over. Comes out with the big entrance, snorting and spitting the smoke and all that good stuff. Okay? They're still living off of that. And some of that's cool, but I still think Goldberg doesn't have to win all the freaking time. He can, you know, he, he can be a superhero and, and lose every once in a while, you know? And I may be, you know, being an overly nitpicky wrestling fan, but I feel like when a legend or an established star from the past comes back and is being used, a lot of times I feel like it doesn't benefit the current day talent today. It just doesn't. Okay, and it, it, the same argument can be made for when Brock Lesnar comes in and just kind of mauls through guys. You know, there's times when he makes guys look good, and there's other times when he, you know, he he doesn't. And Brock does what he wants when he wants. You know, he did the he did it to Dean Ambrose at WrestleMania. I expected that match. I wouldn't say to be a bloodbath, but to be the closest thing to a bloodbath you can get, where. Ambrose fought for his life and took it to Brock with his hardcore style, and Brock just couldn't get the job. Or Brock, you know, couldn't put him down, and it took many, many tries, and finally Brock puts him down. I thought, like, Ambrose was going to kind of get, like, that Mick Foley kind of representation, presentation in the match where he throws every fucking trick in the book out there, takes every risk, and still comes up short. But he gets the respect of the audience, and he really took it to Brock. Instead, Brock suplexed him for seven minutes, and that was the end of the match. I mean, that did nothing for Ambrose. You know what I mean? And Ambrose has said, you know, Brock didn't want to do this, Brock didn't want to do that, blah blah blah. We've, you know, that's been publicized on numerous occasions um, on the Steve Austin podcast on the WWE Network. So, yeah, I mean, I just don't want to see all these legends come in and just drop the established guy, you know, the, the young talent um, for no reason if it's not going to benefit them. I, 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 I'm tired of seeing that. As much as, I, as much as I love nostalgia, and this is what this podcast is all about, nostalgia, retro, it doesn't have to be at the forefront in, in, in terms of WWE or even AEW storylines, you know, because they have Sting on their show now. So, you know, I would hope Sting's there to give the rub to someone like Darby Allen. You know, maybe put a notch on Cody's belt because, you know, in, in my opinion, I think Cody's the best thing on their program. He's the most consistent when it comes to his in-ring work and his mic work and his character development. You know, top notch. Um, you know, I don't want to see Sting wrestle a full match, but a, a, a match with Cody, maybe a tag match with Darby, I can get behind that. You know, um, so we'll see what happens. Uh, but I just don't want these legends to come in and just fucking annihilate these guys and expect us to rem to, to look at them like it's 1998 all over again. Um, so that's one of my that's another one of my New Year's resolutions. Um, I got a few more here that I'm going to get into. Um, the continued evolving of women's wrestling, WWE, AEW, Impact, NWA. Um, you know, I wouldn't mind seeing the women get more of a spotlight, you know, their own pay-per-view in WWE, seeing like an evolution-type pay-per-view. Um, I think the women's tag team championship needs to be taken a little bit more seriously in WWE. Um, you know, even if they had a, a weekly show of their own where it was like all women on the network, 
And not just like a one-hour recap show either, but like where you're actually going to have storyline development. Um, not like main event or, you know, the Sunday Night Heat, those like, you know, secondary shows. But, you know, treat that show like it's, you know, there's some significance and there's some importance to it. Um, knowing WWE, if they were to put something out like that, they'll give it some time in the first few months. And then, you know, they'll, they'll, they'll end up, you know, abandoning it to the wayside. And it'll just be another program to give guys a spot on TV or on the net network or whatever but um i want to see the continued evolution of women's wrestling um they they, i think they've progressed um i I think you know across the board impact wrestling and their women's division they take it very seriously i think aew's women division women's division could use some work i feel like Britt baker is head and shoulders above everyone else in that division in terms of you know her character and how she connects with the audience and her in-ring work and why she hasn't had the title is you know beyond me but nonetheless um you know i i want to see more development with the women um and wwe as well uh like i said take the women's tag team titles more seriously you know even if you give them their own show um you know we're, we've seen charlotte and sasha and bailey and becky really emerge from this women's evolution um but i'd like to see more you know lacey evans really hasn't done much in the last god knows how long you know try to really develop her more maybe you got to character tweak her a little bit um mandy rose and dana brooke um they started out as somewhat of a tag team and i you know dana brooke to me is like when it comes to her in-ring ability um she surprises people she's a dark horse in some of these big matches like when she's been involved in those money in the bank matches and stuff and you know she's a dark horse um let's see you know Let's see what you can do with her in a significant role. Uh, Bianca Belair. I'm not the biggest fan of her. I think her character's annoying. Um, but she's talented in the ring. You know, and I, I feel like that they're developing her. They see things in her. Um, same thing with the NXT women. The NXT women, I think, have been consistently good. And they've made their stories um, and, and their story arcs watchable um, and somewhat interesting and intriguing. I just want to see more evolution in women's wrestling. Um, and, and, you know, like I said, maybe we see a pay-per-view where it's mostly women's matches and you have one or two men's matches that are like there to highlight, you know, it's like an attraction piece or whatever, you know what I mean? So, um, yeah, that, that, that's my, that's my resolution when it comes to, uh, women's wrestling, the evolution of it in 2021. Um, three more, and then I'm going to wrap things up here. When it comes to WWE programming, I think they need to find different ways to produce the content without going back to the same old tired formula. You know, it's too nice. It's too neat. It's too sanitized. It's too clean. It's too scripted. You know, Um, it's like I said, it's the Walt Disney of professional wrestling, sports entertainment. But um, I think that there can be some organic elements to it to, to make the product interesting okay um you know i'm i'm tired of the same old formula for instance let's let's just say we get a one-on-one match between adolph ziggler and montez ford from the street profits and robert rude runs in the ring and jumps uh, on on montez ford and then angelo dawkins jumps in you have a pull apart they go to a commercial break they come back and oh we're back from the break and guess what they just uh, you know you know, announced a tag team match for the SmackDown tag team titles between the Street Profits and Rude and Ziggler. And it's like, they do that a lot, you know. 
or it'll be an argument between two two talents. You know, going back and forth on the mic. It turns into a brawl. They break up the brawl. We come back from commercial break. Now all of a sudden it's a match. You know, now all of a sudden it's a sanctioned wrestling match. You know, I want a little bit more reality into my wrestling. You know, I, I don't mind. You know, uh, going off the beaten path and you know leaving things up to my imagination from time to time, without coming out right and presenting it to us or saying it to us just as that. But I, I want some some unpredictability. You know, um, you know I've had enough of Michael Cole in commentary. I think it's I think Michael Cole could be reserved for big matches like Royal Rumble, WrestleMania, SummerSlam, stuff like that. You know, I think maybe it's time that they you know give that that lead spot to you know Tom Phillips. I think he's done a pretty good job. Um, I'm just kind of tired of Michael Cole every time. You know. Uh, you know, Roman Reigns used to come up before he turned heel. It was like, the big dog. And then it was, you know, with Sasha Banks. It's boss time. You know, it's like, shut the fuck up. Like, I'm so, like, everything, it's, it's, nothing organic comes out of his mouth anymore. Everything's a punchline. Everything's a quote. Everything is something that's micromanaged by someone in his headset, probably Vince. You know, and it, he doesn't sound like who he is or who he used to be. You know what I mean? I just, I, and I want some more organic commentary from the, from the announcers. I really do. Um, Vince in the headpiece, it may help sometimes, but th there's other times you just got to let them find themselves as a commentator and not everything has to be produced. It's just overproduced. Um, I just want more of, you know, organic, an, or, an organic element to the programming. Um, another thing I'd like is I'd like to eliminate some of these gimmick pay-per-views from WWE. Um, extreme rules. There's nothing extreme about that pay-per-view whatsoever. Granted, there was a couple of decent matches on that card. Um, like the Swamp match with Wyatt and... Um, and uh, what's his name? Braun Strowman. Um, even the eye match with Rey Mysterio and, uh, and, 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 and Seth Rollins, the eye for an eye match, but everything else has just been kind of, eh, you know, when it comes to extreme rules, you know, it kind of loses the flavor of the gimmick. Um, when you, when you, you put it in that kind of setting, like extreme, same thing with hell in the cell, hell in the cell used to be a match you would use to blow off a feud. Now it's become a every year thing. And they'll put two or three hell in the cell matches. This last hell in the cell pay-per-view, some of the matches made sense being in the cell while the others, the you know, there was three cell matches. Two of them made sense. Well, actually, you didn't even say one of them made sense. The other two didn't need to be in a hell in the cell, but the hell in the cell gimmick, it's just, it's lost. It's, it's lost its luster. Money in the Bank, too. Granted, Money in the Bank pay-per-views are always fun because I'm a big ladder match guy, but if they use the Money in the Bank ladder match to maybe beef up a SummerSlam or to beef up, like, uh, uh, fucking, you know, a, a Night of Champions, you know, or, or even, you know, even a, whatever, you know, get rid of the TLC. I mean, there's, there's just so many gimmick pay-per-views. It's just like... It's just too much. It's way too much, you know. Make them mean something again, for Christ's sakes, you know. Like I said, Money in the Bank might be the exception, but I don't enjoy watching Hell in the Cell. I don't enjoy watching Extreme Rules. TLC's okay, you know. But when you see those matches every once in a while, then it feels special. They've lost that special feeling for the last decade, and I'm just kind of over that. So I just think there needs to be, you know, 
different ways and better ways to produce the programming on WWE, not make it so predictable, add some organic elements to it so it doesn't feel so overproduced and rehearsed and, you know, it's just too clean, it's too sanitized, it's just too neat, you know, I, I don't need my wrestling to be that way. Sometimes, like, it's okay that there was a mistake or sometimes it's okay that someone might have, you know, messed up their lines, you know what I mean? Not everyone that cuts a promo can cut a promo super clean and neat and nice and, and but they all sound the same you can close your eyes and everyone that talks and cuts a promo with the exception of maybe three or four people they all sound the same so you know this, this shit's just gotta end like i i just need a, a for me as a fan especially with no fans being in attendance it's really hard to watch it really is um you know, and I'll get to that subject in a minute. That's my last New Year's resolution. Um, but before I do that, um, when it comes to wrestling fans, my New Year's resolution for 2021 is for you guys to all respect each other more. You know, there's nothing wrong with having a different opinion. You may like this wrestling. You may like that wrestling. You may not agree on everything. But there's no need to trash each other and destroy each other's feelings and, you know, invalidate, you know, your, your likes and dislikes because someone doesn't agree with your opinion. You know, unfortunately, social media um, and our and the issues in our world, whether it was the pandemic, politics, um, you know, what have you, um, wearing masks, you know. Everything was debated and fought in the public eye on social media. And wrestling has you know, been no different. Not just this year, in the last year I should say, but um, for several years, especially on social media. There's nothing wrong with someone liking a certain wrestling promotion or a certain wrestler or a match. It's okay for them to like them. They're not wrong for liking them. You may not like that wrestler, but it's okay to disagree with that person. You don't have to put that person down. I feel like wrestling fans just respect each other more, you know? Especially when AEW came onto the scene and they kind of gave NXT a run for their money and NXT and them are going head-to-head and it's just like everyone wants to relive the, the Monday Night Wars on Wednesdays and it's not going to happen. It's just not going to happen, you know? And I said that from the beginning. I, I, you know, I, I said we're not going to see that. And, we, you know, we don't. We don't have that currently. So people need to stop, you know, putting others down. Have a little respect for each other. You know, I, I try to create a fun pro wrestling environment for fans to, you know, talk about their memories growing up as wrestling fans from the 80s, the 90s, the 2000s, even up to today. You know, and... I want that that positive environment where people can debate and talk and have fun and fantasy book without you know trying to slit each other's throat and go for the jugular. Um, so a big, you know, a, a big resolution for me as a wrestling fan is that for other fans to just treat each other with respect. You don't like AEW? Okay, fine. You don't have to watch it. You don't like NXT? Fine. You don't have to watch that either. You don't like WWE? No problem. There's plenty of other wrestling out there. But don't put people down for what they like or dislike. Because it's just, it's, it's stupid. It's wrestling at the end of the day. Me, I'm a fan of wrestling in general. A fan of everything. Okay? I like wrestling. More wrestling is good wrestling for me, in my opinion. When I have options to choose from, that's freaking cool. Sometimes too many options can, can, can overwhelm me. You know what I mean? My DVR was full of wrestling for a long time between Ring of Honor, Impact, AEW, WWE, NXT. You know, there was, it was just overloaded. And so, um, got to a point where I had to empty out the DVR space because, you know, I just didn't have any time to watch it all. Now I just kind of cherry pick. If I hear something was good, I'll go check it out. Um, I, I, you know, I, I don't dedicate a whole lot of time to, um, you know, one show in particular, but 
I just I, I just want to see wrestling fans be happy that we have more wrestling. And maybe that's naive of me to say, but um, just kind of putting each other down, I think, is just rather silly and uh, childish, if you will. You know, it's wrestling. It's wrestling, for Christ's sakes. Um, and on that note, I want to end this New Year's resolution episode um, by by expressing the most important New Year's resolution I have as a wrestling fan. And that's the hope that fans can, co- can come back to attend wrestling events. You know, live, big stage wrestling events, you know. Um, the rumor is, is that WrestleMania might be able to have that happen in a socially distanced capacity um, at Raymond James Stadium. That's the rumor. Um, WWE is hoping to have fans in attendance in a socially distanced capacity after WrestleMania. Um, if not, you know, at WrestleMania and to move forward with that, you know, AEW kind of did a little bit of that at Daly's place following the Florida CDC guidelines by having, you know, um, I think they have like a thousand people in attendance. You can buy tickets and they're like little pods and, you know, you can buy like groups of five or six and you got to, you know, have a, the, the proper temperature and test negative for COVID in order to get in um, and attend the event. So. My hope is that we get to some form of fan participation in, you know, in a live audience, you know, at these events, even in the events as well. Um, you know, it's it, wrestling has been tough to watch in 2020. Uh, it there's been flashes of good stuff, and there's been stuff where it's like, my goodness, like this is brutal to watch, you know. And I think the audience makes a big difference in 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 the in the arena. Um, and it makes a big difference when you present it on television. And that's been sorely missed. And, you know, I can't freaking wait till the first event where there's a full audience or close to full audience. It's going to like someone's going to elbow drop someone or someone's going to suplex someone or someone's going to put someone in an arm bar. And the place is going to go nuts because you, you just hadn't seen that kind of audience participation in such a long period of time. So my biggest New Year's resolution is I want all of us fans to be able to go back to watching wrestling live in an arena. You know what I mean? I think once that happens, I think the business is going to, you know, depending on the economy, depending on, you know, stimulus bills and, you know, people, you know, getting the vaccine or not. I think if wrestling were to be at full capacity again, I think it's going to go through a big boom period. And I'm not talking boom period like the Monday Night Wars and the 90s, but I think people are going to want to be out and about in public and go to wrestling events. And you might even get new fans to go to wrestling events because it's something for people to do since everyone's been cooped up in the fucking house for the last, you know, you know 11, 12 months. So... Um, I don't think we'll see that early on in 2020 or 2021, excuse me. Um, we might see, like I said, a socially distanced WrestleMania with a limited capacity. Uh, Tampa Bay Buccaneers play at that stadium and, you know, they have a limited capacity for their football games. WrestleMania might be the same thing if it's if it's held there. That's the rumor. It's going to be held there officially because, you know, they owe the, 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 the city of Tampa that WrestleMania. Um but I don't see we'll I don't feel like we'll we'll really get to see a full fully fully filled arena of wrestling fans at a wrestling event probably till like towards the the, the, the tail end of 2021 maybe late summer um, early fall um, you know 
baseball might not have you know fans for the better part of their season um so we don't know um how wrestling is going to to fare when it comes to the audience but that's what i want at the end of the day that's my biggest new year's resolution bring back the fans so we can all enjoy wrestling once again and then in 20 you know and then in you know a month or two later we're all gonna fucking hate each other (laughs) again but um yeah, that about does it this week here um, on Kicking Out It Too. Thank you all so very much for joining me. I wanted to deviate from the format a little bit. Usually I cover retro stuff. I wanted to give my New Year's resolution as a wrestling fan to what I'd like to see in 2021. If you got any New Year's resolutions of what you'd like to see in 2021, then uh, hit us up on our social media, Facebook and Twitter, facebook.com forward slash kicking out it too. Um, share and discuss. Would love that you know that 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 feedback from the community that is kicking out it too. I you know I greatly appreciate any kind of feedback anyone gives me, negative or positive. Um, and then uh, you know next week, and we're going to continue on with the Royal Rumble um, event themed for the month of January. Next week, uh, Kobe Knighta joins me as we discuss the Mount Rushmore of Royal Rumble undercard matches. That's right, the matches that took place before the Royal Rumble match itself. We're going to give you our our, our collectively, or should I say, respect our four greatest Royal Rumble undercard matches of all time next week. And then the following week, Trading Places Royal Rumble 1996. We're going to be covering that event in Trading Places format where we take the match results, we flip them, we map out the trajectories of the winners and losers. We have a little fun fantasy booking style, if you will. Um, Try to do it in a realistic fashion. So we'll be approaching the 25th anniversary coming up in a couple of weeks. And then we end the month of January with a Royal Rumble watch-along. What are we going to watch? Well, we don't know which Rumble we're going to watch. Are we going to watch a whole Rumble event? We're going to watch just a Rumble match? Not sure yet. Haven't figured that out, but I'll get to it, and we'll make sure that we make it happen as we gear up for the 2021 Royal Rumble event. And with that being said, I think it's officially about this time that we put this show down for the three count and we will see you all next week.